Welcome to the People Impact Podcast, because your impact on people matters. We are two visionary coaches talking about human relationships in the workplace. We bring you topics that truly have an impact on people in your organization today. This is for you if you're interested in expanding your perspective on people in your organization and yourself as a human being. We explore ideas about impacting and improving ways people lead and work together. For all of you out there who are open to new views, visions, and dreams. Featuring Marilyn Fluff. Hi, everyone. Hello. Myself, Lisa Dempsey. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Ray Arata with us. Welcome, Ray. Thank you, Lisa and Marilyn. It's a pleasure to be here. Really great to have you. Please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself. So, you know, I get asked that question a lot. And I, I even got asked that question when I did my men's weekend 22 years ago. And I've come to learn that the probably the most straightforward answer is I'm a, I'm a heart-centered man who is a father, uh, a current husband, an ex-husband, a leader, a cyclist, a cook, a son, a brother, mm. and an activist. That's at the core. Yeah, I mean, I could, there's more, but we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure all of that comes to life in lots of different ways, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. love that, love that, and lo- and love that you can see see yourself as all of those things all at once, right? They can all be true at exactly the same time. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, one other core thing for your for your listeners is that. Um, I've dedicated my life to working with men on how to live and lead from the heart. So, and this all harks back to, to, you know, when I ended up doing my men's weekend in 1999, when I got feedback from my manager in a financial services business, that was, that sounded like the feedback that my then wife gave me. And I realized, Hmm, I'm getting some feedback here that I don't like, (laughs) And I need to do something. And uh, largely on trust, when my financial services manager, I was in the financial services industry, uh, I was a retirement plan consultant, told me, he said, he handed me a brochure and on it, it said men's weekend. And I'll spare your listeners the expletive, but I said, what the bleep is this? And he smiled and he winked at me and he said, here, call my wife. It changed my life. I can't tell you what goes on there. So I ended up going to do this weekend, which in a nutshell, what I can now share with you is that it was an initiation into healthy manhood and it was a healing weekend. And more than anything else, it gave me a a real glimpse at how the pained little boy in me was driving the adult bus and how I was impacting those I love. So I learned how to connect to my emotions, how to feel my emotions, what accountability really meant, integrity, things of that nature. And that sent me on my journey uh, to join a men's group weekly, ultimately uh, stepping on and leading these weekends to bringing the work into maximum security prisons. Um, and it became apparent to me that, oh, us guys can, can feel and emote um, much like our, the, the women in our life. And as I kept doing that, you know, it became apparent to me that uh, the big guy in the sky had different plans for me. 
And I met a diversity and inclusion consultant who was intrigued. I had written my first book, Wake Up, Man Up, Step Up. And she said, you know, you really have something here. Um, the men in corporate America need to hear from you. But first, I want you to go to a women's leadership event. And just listen, you'll probably be the only guy there. Mm-hmm. And she was right. I went there. And it all came rushing at me at once in that I was like, oh, now I get it. My mom, all these years have been telling me what it was like to grow up in an Italian-American family with her older brother getting all the rights, privileges, and opportunities because he was a boy. Mm-hmm. But she didn't get them the same. I'm like, mm-hmm. I get it now. And then I'm like, oh, my wife, she's one of seven, the oldest of seven in an Italian-American family. And the youngest brother is running the business. And then I was like, oh, no, my daughter is going to be graduating from Duke with a degree in computer science. Crap. What do I, I I need to do something. Well, I wasn't sure what to do initially, but ultimately after speaking to several uh, largely uh, women only audiences, I was like, this is going to take forever. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to do something. Maybe that somebody <laughs> is me. What if and, that's um, me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was at the, uh, there, there was a, um, a gender equity challenge at City Hall in San Francisco. Mayor Ed Lee, who's no longer with us, you know, he put it out there and all these speakers are there and, and, and they're all talking. But I'm sitting in the back of the room going, what about the men? This is, this is kind of like a competition, but no one's talking about the men. And I'm like, I'm thinking about raising my hand. I'm, I'm chicken a little bit. I'm like, okay. And right as I raise my hand, they say no more questions. I <laughs> so as I'm, as I'm walking out of the, 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 the city hall on my way up to, to, to take a swim, I'm like, I, I'm going to reach out to some, I have an idea. And I reached out to some corporate figures, friends that I knew, Price Waterhouse, Kaiser Permanente, Genentech, uh, the executive director of uh, PBWC, uh, a, a women's uh, organization out here in California. And I said, I've got this idea. I'd want to advance healthy masculinity into the leadership conversation. Well, unbeknownst to me, I was launching myself into the diversity, equity, and inclusion space with a learning curve, a very steep learning curve. <laughs> But I had the right background. I had done multicultural issues and ism training in my, in my men's work. And so um, I said, I want to do a conference. I know how to create a safe space for men. And I want to work with men to move out of their head and into their heart to be whole humans, if yeah. you will. And with that, Michael Kimmel, a, a well-known um, author in the, in the gender equality space, uh, showed up. I went to his International Masculinities Conference and I knew Sheryl Sandberg was in, was going to be speaking and I knew Jennifer Siebel Newsom was there. So I walked backstage like I owned the joint using every friggin' privilege I had <laughs> as if I was okay for me to be there. I never said that part of the story that way, but now I realize that's what allowed yeah. me to walk right in. Yeah. Uh, and I walked up to Cheryl and I introduced myself and said what I was up to and now you know, I've got a blurb on the front of my book from her. I'm doing an event with Governor Newsom's uh, wife in a, in a week or so. And Cheryl and I correspond in email and I'm not alone in doing this. And I'm immensely grateful. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the, the story, the, the wake up call, the man in the mirror moment. 
And then fast forward, here we are, 2022, 13 Better Man conferences later with what I would call a perfect storm um, that's just sitting right there on the coast. That perfect storm being the amalgam of Time's Up, Me Too, COVID, Black Lives Matter. So now the, the unavoidable light is shining on the majority, men, and I'm trying to get them and companies to rewrite the narrative because for too long, a small group of men, the bad apples, all the bad stories, the one that are in the press, they've been controlling the narrative. So that's, that's what I'm up to. And that's the story that landed me mm -hmm. uh, in this space and place. What do you, I'm curious, what do you recognize in the journey that the men you work with are going through, like the things that hold them back, the things that make them defensive, the things that make them get in their own way to actually do something. There's a couple. There's a what couple do you recognize things. in them? Well, first of all, um, and I speak about this in my book, uh, if we're not feeling the pain, and most men aren't, mm -hmm. in terms of inclusion, it's out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a silver lining to the masculine focus. And then there's a huge blind spot. Mm -hmm. So until we decide to get interested in what the lived experiences are of other people, or until we stick our foot in dog do and say, or do something that uh, shines the light on our misstep, or there's deep pain because we've, subscribe to the outdated playbook of what it means to be a man we're not cognizant of it so the lack of awareness the lack of feeling pain is is a big one mm -hmm. um after that um given the current social and political narrative and from a, from me having a tremendous number of conversations too many to illuminate either with men or with diversity and inclusion professionals i've come to recognize that inside most orgs, there's five states of men that exist. There is a faction of men that feel threatened by DEI initiatives, that it threatens their job. Mm -hmm. Underline the word there, which is mm -hmm. their unexamined privilege, right? So, and then there's a, even the sub-faction of them, the ones that think that all this attention on white men in the last 12 to 18 months is a distraction. Well, it is to them, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's their privilege again, right? Right. And so, uh, so that's the first group. The second group are the ones that articulate there's a business resource or an employee resource group for women, LGBTQIA, but what about me? What about us? And I, I, I have I, a I group too. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that group because they're feeling excluded, which mm -hmm. I can help turn. Yeah. The, the biggest group after that are the ones that are afraid to say or do the wrong thing. So they do nothing, which signals complicity. Mm -hmm. So that fear, while real for them, must be overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. I talked last night, I led a racism call and I talked to the largely white male audience and I talked about white male fragility mm -hmm. versus white male ability. And I said, mm -hmm. if the worst thing that's going to happen to us white men is that we might get ridiculed or we might get excommunicated out of the boys club or someone might give a verbal jab, we must get past our fear of saying or doing the wrong thing even and acknowledge our humanness because humans mess up. And then, you know, if you mess up, fess up, clean it up. Now I'll get into that later. So that's the third group. The fourth groups are the ones that want to do something, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. Love those guys. Start. 
Hmm. Yeah. And then there's a group, the few, the proud, the advocates, they're already doing this. Those are the ones that we need to leverage. So based on your question, it really depends on which group of men um, that we'd be seeking to meet them where they are. But that which, probably which gives you a good group have you sense. been in? Have you been in all of those groups throughout the past year? All of those. What, what usually happens is like when I do a, a pilot training, mm-hmm. um, I invite the client to uh, get a smattering of most groups with the exception of the, the first group. Um, and then the categorization is different. It's laggards, learners, and leaders. So mm-hmm. we want to get the learners in there. We want to get some of the leaders in there. And if there's a reluctant laggard who's open but but skeptical, bring them in. Those are the, some of the guys that don't believe that they have privilege because they were, you know, grew up in a trailer park or something like that. When I help mm-hmm. them understand, there's this, there's a distinction between earn and unearned privilege. And if you have an advantage that somebody else doesn't have, what kind of human do you want to be? Do you want to use it all for yourself? That's an option. Or do you want to use it to support other people? And even sometimes acknowledge your privilege. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with using it, right? There's some benefits. So those, those are the ones that I really, I really come across. And I'm really who do you, who, to- do you, who do you recognize yourself most in or who do you? And appreciate working with most. Mm, I'm I'm in the in the in the last category. Currently, in terms yeah, of, yeah, and an advocate. Um, and I refer to myself as forever an ally in training. So mm. if there's an area that I'm in need of learning more, that puts me back into the fourth category. I want to do something. I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, and then. Um, I I wouldn't be human if I didn't say that I have fear. Mm -hmm. So I can acknowledge the fear of saying or doing the wrong thing Mm -hmm. and even hesitate just a little bit, but ultimately life's too short. So I'm going to do my best to breathe into the fear and remember that I, if I mess up, I can fess up and clean it up and keep going. Did you, because it sounds like you sort of traveled through all those four categories yourself. Yeah. The first one I, I had no, I didn't even know what privilege was. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, lots of people didn't. Yeah. Still don't. Yeah. No. And now How to it's explain like, water to a fish, right? <laughs> exactly. It's what you're in. <laughs> and one of my, one of my big things about privilege is to humanize it, not demonize it. Yeah. So it's a charged word. So I need to go in there wherever I am, whether it's on stage. And, and this year, our, we're doing two Better Man conferences, uh, but live and streaming, June 2nd in Hudson Yards in New York City uh, and San Francisco, uh, either November 2nd, 3rd or 4th. And our themes this year are power, patriarchy and privilege. Mm-hmm. So we want to dismantle the patriarchy, uh, create a new relationship and understanding around power. And then when that's aligned, uh, step into privilege and, and, and use it as it can be used. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. 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 That is very exciting. I'm curious because I love that you mentioned patriarchy, right? Patriarchy is something that is almost omnipresent in almost all of our cultures, all of our places around the world. Do you think men realize they suffer under patriarchy as well? Yes and no. 
Um, in the 55 men's weekends that I've participated in lead, men either come to those weekends with a big father wound or a big mother wound. Mm-hmm. And the, the father wound, uh, simply put, and this is for everyone to, to ponder, one's first relationship, and by the way, women can have a father wound too. Um, one, either a man or woman's first relationship with a man usually is the father, stepfather, the father figure. So what that interaction is like, it influences. So for example, if, if you had an emotionally absent father, or an alcoholic father, which makes him emotionally absent, or mm-hmm. or there was not safety there. You're going to create mechanisms as a kid to keep yourself safe. And unless you've done your personal work, you're going to go out into the world, and you may very well unconsciously project your unfinished business around your father on that man. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, most men don't real haven't really based on what I just said. Some of them would look at me with a deer in the headlights. Right. Sure. But ultimately, when the when the men come to a, like a men's weekend, for example, um, they want to have relationships with other men. They want to be connected. They want to be human. Yeah. And so and so most don't understand. And what they most of us, have, including me, have probably just done is just based on what we saw and we're at the experience of. That's what it means to be a father. Right. Mm. So in my first book, I write about the five influences and I carried that over into, into this book that, but how you saw your mom and dad interact informs how you interact with women, good, bad, or ugly. You might reject if he was a, a jerk and he belittled her, you may reject that, right? Uh, you may form something new, a good quality. And this is a, probably a whole nother episode, but the, be that as it may, um, the whole patriarchy thing, the, the, the invitation, and I really don't say this much, but there, there's going to come a time when I'm going to say it, that for the men to consider what conscious, loving patriarchy could look like. Mm-hmm. So if you can own your masculinity, and for those that are fathers, understand that when you're in a company, there's all these wonderful human beings, and what do they need? They need love. Yeah. They need to be seen, heard, valued, respected, understood. So, yeah. So I've I've revealed some of that to to a few people who could grok that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I say you know I say to people, think about all the employees. If you're the male leader, they're all looking up at you, just like dad, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they want what everyone wants. And you have this ability. If you want to go into command and control patriarchy and scare the crap out of them or trigger them because half of them grew up with that. Or you can see them, you can mm-hmm. value them, you can respect them, you can hear them. So that's why I created the heart-based leadership principles. And one of them is love. It's the last one. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's incredibly powerful and important, right? Because yeah. it, you know, what, what occurs to me is patriarchy when it's the only being in the space it not only, you know, people can suffer from it for all sorts of reasons, but also the, the people who are committed to it suffer because it, you lack that connection, you lack that love, you lack that sense of being a full human who is entitled to not, not privilege, but entitled to make mistakes, entitled to have feelings, entitled to be confused, entitled to say, I don't know. You know, it robs you of humanness. 
there's a cost uh, for us men around the old model of patriarchy. I just wrote yeah. a blog. Mm-hmm. I can get it to you if you want um, called celebrating women, activating men as allies, a recipe for true gender partnership. And oh, as well, I was we writing, can share that in the, in the show notes for our listeners too. So yeah. Send me the link. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I realized when I was writing it, that when I partnered with women, that I felt relieved relaxed, supported. And I'm, and I realized, wow, I can benefit. I don't have to like decide that I must do it because I'm the man. Right. So it was, a, it was an aha moment for me. And I, I speak to that in, in the article. So just as you were, when you were asking me that question, I was like, okay, there's something there that I think is important. Yeah. And you, so what I gathered from your, from your new book is that you have, um, presented seven steps that men can follow uh, in their in their journey of, of being a male allyship, <laughs> allyship from the heart. Well, yeah. My, my yours simple are, math. Yours are better. <laughs> Does that include curiosity? I'm, I'm curious about what the steps are, and I'm thinking, is curiosity so, one of them? So I could turn my four steps into seven steps, uh-huh. but there's, there, there's four steps. And the four steps are the what we call the allies journey. And this was initially created for men, but I've been asked and delivered several times a broad-based allyship uh, presentation program workshop because as I walk you through these four steps, um, they apply to allyship. So anyone wanting to be an ally to anybody can benefit from what I'm about to say. But the first step, and I'll contextualize each of these, is an in dude talk, acknowledge your stuff, which is... Yeah bias, privilege, your emotions, and the thing, this thing called the man box, which is the set of unwritten rules that have historically driven men's behavior and language that have been handed down from father to son, from father to son. And, mm-hmm. and society's perpetuated the toxic versions of it. And everyone- This is what a man's supposed to be like. Yeah. Exactly. That's an mm-hmm. example. Real men don't show emotion. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Boys don't Real cry. Men make all the, yeah, yeah. Real men make all the decisions. Yeah. not yeah i can go on um so that's the first step the second step is listen with empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and this has two parts to it. it it one it's listen to and get interested in the lived experiences of others mm-hmm. that will evoke empathy in men mm-hmm. it's where the roots of empathy can be grow and that can be turned into fuel but also listen get actually, to your actually own interested yeah yeah and some men will feel shame. Some men will feel sadness. Some men will feel anger. Some men will feel fear. And I say, they're all welcome. They're okay, but it's what you do with them. If you stuff them, then you're going to react and you're going to go into shutdown, just like you did when you were little. The third step, and that's contextualizes empathy. Third step is take responsibility for the impact of your unchecked, unexamined bias and privilege and one necessary, clean it up. That opens mm-hmm. up the door to look at, examine, and understand intention versus impact yeah. and clean up conversations. And for leaders, uh, what I call ownership-driven accountability. So like if microaggressions are happening on your watch, how do you call in another person and give them the feedback? Uh, and then the fourth step is where the rubber meets the road. That's commits new actions and behaviors. So those four steps drive our trainings. They're in the book, and in each in each chapter of the book, I deliver a story gone wrong, 
and then a dissection to understand what went wrong, and then a learning section of the key principles, and then a, yeah, there you go, a training section for the guys. Like, here's some exercises. So there you go. Those are the four steps. Yeah. Love that. Love yeah, that. really think, good structure. Yeah. It's, and, and it's, there's a really robust underbelly to all of that, right? And, and it sounds like they're all really important ingredients that lead to connection. If, you know, knowing, knowing that there are probably lots of people out there listening to this going, oh, oh, but yeah, all sounds great, but where do I start? Where, where do you wish people to start? Those who, who think, mm, this is a good idea, but. Well, first I want to acknowledge that they want to start. So kudos to you if, if you're feeling that. And for, it's different for everybody. So one simple place is to, you can go to showingupbook.com to buy my book, and with that, we have a nice bonus, which will give you a free virtual ticket to our Better Man Conference, mm. which gives you another starting place. Think shallow end of the pool. You know, so for some people, they're not ready to go to a conference. So they read the book and they, they want you can start applying this to yourself. You go to a conference, you get inspired, you're, you're prompted to feel and think differently. And maybe that inspires you and you go back into your company and like, we got to do something. We got to call this guy Ray Arata. So <laughs> if you go to rayarata.com, which is my uh, website, it'll show who I am speaking, things of that nature. And for those of you who just really kind of want to stay in touch and be part of our community um, and have blogs come to you every now and then and information uh, about our conferences, go to bettermanconference.com and sign up for our newsletter. We will not bombard you. It'll just be, hey, I wrote a, I get asked to write blogs all the time. Sometimes we have guest bloggers and we may be doing some community calls. So those would be the places to go. Yeah. And yeah. stay tuned because we may be doing a, a, an, an EMEA conference, potentially virtual. We may be doing a live conference in London. So nice. um, this Good is plan. not a U.S. thing. This is a global thing. Yeah. And well, the topic's global, definitely. And so the information and the inspiration is out there for sure. Yes, absolutely. What, do you, what would you recommend people who are not men? What could they so, do so to invite men in or to inspire men to? So the book, when I wrote the book, I wrote it for three groups of people, men mm -hmm. who were in the question, what do I do? Mm -hmm. DEI professionals and the question of how do I engage the men and then everybody else inclusive of women who are wanting to be supported and support so the book lends itself it's a it's a glimpse into what makes us tick and there's there's a lot of validation that can come to women in this book mm -hmm. and so my invitation would be to start there and attend the conference because we're very intersectional and and very inclusive and so when i speak i speak to women and i speak to men and everybody who even those that don't identify on the binary spectrum the humans, the humans yeah, all the humans, humans out there yeah, yeah. so, so <laughs> before the before the book is in and read and before the conference takes place what's something people can do today tomorrow you know uh, 
one of the things I always advocate is um, seek to be really honest with yourself and ask yourself if you're being your best person. And the only way you can find out is if you ask people around you how they're experiencing you. So for the men, I say, go to a woman in your life and say, hey, is there anything that you've been trying to tell me that I've been unable to hear? Or you go to your daughter and say, hey, um, how would you like to see me in my highest best, right? Now, that's just, I always come from this angle uh, of, of speaking to the men. But for the women, ask yourself, you know, is there a man that you know that you can go to and get into conversation around how you might be able to support each other to be better allies? There's an unavoidable gender thing here. And I found that when women ask men, to participate in a dialogue like that without any shame or blame. Most men are curious and they want to be supportive, right? But that's going to require a little bit of vulnerability on their part, yep, which yeah. I totally advocate for. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of really good stuff that lives inside of vulnerability, isn't there? Absolutely. It's one of my superpowers. It's for me, it's about going first. That's what I've come to learn. Whenever I've um, demonstrated my vulnerability, it paves the way for other men. So that would be one other thing for the male listeners. Uh, take a risk, um, show some vulnerability. It will engender trust. I've, I've stood up in front of an audience in front of the men and said to the women, I said, guys, watch this. So uh, to the women in the audience, if I admit to you, I don't know something, I don't have the answer, or I'm afraid or I'm feeling sad. Do you trust me more or less? Show of hands. Yeah, all hands up. So, guys, vulnerability is power, strength. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, and, I and it's contagious it. in, in the best way possible. <laughs> and I hear the courage in that too. Ray, remind us the title of your latest book Showing Up How Men Can Become Effective Allies in the Workplace. Yeah, I love that. Love that. We'll include the link to that in the show notes too for anyone who's, who's eager to click on that and go and find out more. Yeah, and, indeed. Uh, yeah, thank you, Ray, for this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. Pleasure. I, enjoyed I enjoyed it. And thanks, thanks for being an ally and taking some of these brave, courageous steps. You know, it, it is not an easy space that you were working in, but it is work that is very, very much needed in the world. So thank you. Thank we you. appreciate it. And thanks everyone out there for listening. Uh, perhaps you've been listening to our podcast online today. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you are the first to learn about our newest episodes. Please also share this and other episodes if they can be of value to you and those around you. So please share this episode with those men in your life that you think might need to hear this message and have some curiosity around allyship and how they can use their privilege for good. We'd love to hear your feedback about this topic and others and your topic requests. Let us know what's on your mind in the workplace. That's it for now. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.